Sorry for quality this time, guys. My microphone got broken and I'm working on it. So please bear with me. Hi, my name is Gigi Green and I think I need to change how I begin my podcast. There are too many words. Okay, let's leave the important ones. This is my travel podcast about Russia, its history, traditions, nature, everyday life, culture, and whatever the heck strikes my fancy about Russia. Why Russia? You can check my episode number one to find out. And now, on with an episode number five, Russian Railways. There are several ways to travel through Russia. By car, by bus, by plane, by boat in some places, and maybe even by bike if you feel like you can do it, because the distances are kind of epic. Maybe there are some others, but my absolute favorite way to do it is by train, because train rides here are usually long, and they make me feel that I'm really traveling. I mean, not just being in a new place and seeing new stuff, but actually physically moving through space kind of traveling. Old-fashioned way, I guess. And you are being driven by somebody, you don't have to do anything, you can just lay down and relax, read a book, listen to music, solve crossword puzzles, watch a movie on your phone or stare out of the window. Or chat with your very temporary neighbors. Or pretend like you're sleeping so so that you don't have to chat with your very temporary neighbors. Last time I traveled by train, I took my knitting with me and made myself a hat. After all, it was a 24-hour ride from my hometown to the mineral waters of Caucasus that I talked about in my previous episode. I'll start with a little bit of history, really tiny bit. Then I'll go over what it actually looks like now, types of cars and services you can get. And then I'll give some tips about the stuff you should take with you to make your traveling experience better and save money. So, Russia isn't just big, it also stretches from west to east almost horizontally. And most big rivers here flow from north to south. That means that railroads would be one of the best modes of transportation. Hence, Russians began building railways in 1837. First passenger line was a kind of a test railway between St. Petersburg, which was then the capital, and Tarske Silo, summer residence of Russian emperors. It was followed by the railroad connecting St. Petersburg to Moscow and then to other cities in the European part of Russia. Next, the railways connecting Russia to the Central Asian provinces were built in the 1880s and 1890s. Now those places are independent countries of Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and Kazakhstan. The Trans-Siberian Railway that connects European Russia with the Russian Far East was built between 1891 and 1916. It immediately became popular with people who like traveling and writing about it. Railways were further expanded during Soviet Union times. The most famous addition is Baikal-Amur mainline in the Russian Far East. Russian railways are also connected to roads in former Soviet countries, Mongolia, China and North Korea, because Russian Far East has borders with them. The history of those railways, how they were built and who built them, could fill several episodes. Maybe I'll make them one day, who knows? But 
for now, I'm still in the beginning of my podcasting days and I want to talk about more practical stuff. So I'll leave some links in the show notes and just give you a few interesting facts for now. The longest railway line in the world is Trans-Siberian Railway. It's 9,289 kilometers, which is 5,772 miles. The train covers distance between Moscow and Vladivostok in six days and four hours. There are other routes and you can reach even further places using this line or others connected to it. Total length of all railways in Russia is 85,200 kilometers. So theoretically, you could wrap it around the equator twice and there will still be some railways left. And one of those circlings uh, would be specifically for trains that run on electric power. But it's not the longest in the world. US railways are longer. You also might think that railways uh, that long would cover the whole country and you can get everywhere by train, at least to all major cities. And uh, the railways are long, but distances here are longer. You can't reach the north of the eastern parts of Siberia and most of the Yakutia Republic by train. All that means that rail density, that's the length of the rail track per country area, is much lower in Russia than in the US or China. Our population density is also lower, so there are parts of the railway where trains carry passengers and freight over very long distances of nearly empty space. So, wanna feel that existential loneliness? And like you're a grain of sand in the vast universe, come to Russia and ride some trains. <laughs> so, you might have gathered from the previous fact that Russian railways carry both freight and passengers. It's one of the most freight-dominated railways in the world, behind Canada, the US, and a bit unexpectedly for me, Estonia. However, Way more people travel by trains here than they do in the US because for some reason they have the lowest long-distance passenger train usage in the world there. We also have a different gorge than most of Europe and other countries. That's the distance between the inside edges of the rails. The Russian standard gorge is 5 feet or 1520 millimeters, so it's slightly wider than the standard gorge. That's 1435 millimeters or 4 feet 8.5 inches in the US. But Russian railway company has several international routes. You can come to Russia or leave Russia, specifically Moscow, by train from Paris, Berlin, Helsinki, Prague, Nice, Warsaw, Tallinn, and Beijing, and cities along the way. And of course, all former USSR republics, but they, are, they use Russian standard gauge, so that's not a problem. But how do Russian trains travel to Europe and back? Well, they literally change wheels at some point. The carriage is lifted, old wheels are unscrewed, and new ones are screwed on. Which impresses the heck out of me, because can you imagine the weight of those things? Of course it's not done by hand, there are special mechanical devices for that. I'll leave links to some videos that show this process in the show notes. 
So, one day when I was telling my friends that I want to go on a silent meditation retreat, my friend Tom, who is from the UK, said that riding on a train for 24 hours is like a silent meditation. And that was the moment I realized that I really need to explain what it looks like when you're traveling by train in Russia. Russian trains are not like Hogwarts Express, nor are they really like those sleek European or Japanese super-fast trains. There are some of those, for example, Sapsan, that goes between Moscow and St. Petersburg in three hours. But new and fast trains can mostly be found in the European part of Russia, and they go between somewhere not super far and Moscow. Most of the population, however, travels much slower and in a very different style and type of train cars or carriages, however you are used to calling them. So, what types are there? Oh, important note, those trains that I'm talking about go between cities. They are long-distant and often sleeper trains. Our equivalent of the commuter trains are called elektrichka. They mostly run on electric power and they are kind of a different story, but at the same time, a lot of the countries have commuter trains, so I think it's more obvious how they work. So, I'm not going to talk about them here. Though, if you want me to, you can write to me at journeysofgg.gmail.com and I'll do that some other time. Firstly, there are train cars with just regular seats, day coach. They are the cheapest, but I don't think it's a good idea to save money this way if you are traveling for longer than 8 hours and during night time. I just don't think they are comfortable enough for that. But my experience with them is super limited because I usually travel longer distances and I prefer traveling at night. My mom often chooses that type of car or carriage to visit relatives in the next city up the Volga River. That would be Samara. Her train leaves at 6 a.m. and she's there at 1 p.m. So it takes 7 hours and she seems okay with it. So that's an option. Uh, then there are several types of sleeper cars. First is sleeper car with reserved seats. That would be like econom class version, I guess. They're called Platskart in Russian, though that doesn't sound very Russian, does it? Still, uh, there are 54 seats in a carriage, and they are actually not seats but bunk beds. The carriage would be divided unequally by a long corridor, and there are four bunk beds on one side and two bunk beds perpendicular to it. And there are, like, nine of those segments. So, if you choose this option, go for the side where there are four bunk beds, especially if you are tall. The side bunk beds are not technically shorter, but they feel that way. My height is 1 meter 71 centimeters, or 5 feet 6 inches. I feel uncomfortable sleeping on the side bunk beds. The usual bunk beds give you more room for your toes. Also, it is assumed that lower bunk bed is better than the upper one. That is arguable in my opinion, but higher ones are cheaper. How do you know which is which? Seats with even numbers are upper bunk beds and odd numbers are lower bunk beds. Seats from 37 to 54 are those side bunk beds. And seats 37 and 38 are closest to the second water closet at the end of the carriage. Don't buy those unless you're desperate. 
There might or might not be the smell, but people will be going to and from the water closet all the time. There will be the sound of shutting doors and of the water closet actually working, so beware. How do you sleep in those bunk beds? Uh, there will be mattress, a pillow and a blanket on your bunk. And the carriage attendant will give you fresh sheets and a pillowcase. Usually at the end of their journey, passengers would fold their used linen and return it to the carriage attendant. That used to be mandatory, now it's not, it's just a habit and common courtesy towards attendants. There is an attendant in every carriage and if you have any problems, they are the ones you should ask for help. Now, my favorite type of carriages are called coupé. Those characters are divided into nine sort of little rooms, compartments. There are four beds in each compartment and no side bunks. It's a bit more expensive, but the upper bunk often costs a bit more than the lower bunk in Platzkart. And in my opinion, Coupé is way better. But I'm biased. I love the upper bunk. Actually, we call them polka, shelf. Not just because it's cheaper, but also because I didn't have a bunk bed when I was a kid, so for me it's a lot of fun. Coupé are cleaner and there are less people, so it's a bit quieter. There's still a carriage attendant and two water closets. Sometimes it seems to me that there are million types of coupé carriages. And you can never guess what you'll get. Some carriages are new, you will have air conditioning, possibly a meal, a traveler set of useful things and some reading material might be included. Or you might get an old carriage without even air conditioning. Ironically, the bunk beds in those are the widest, they are softer and I find it easier to fall asleep in them. How do you find the good ones? You can and should look at the carriage class, that would be a letter next to the number of the carriage, for example, 2A or 2L. If you are buying tickets online, always look up that stuff. There are also business class and first class carriages. Business class is called SV, Spalny Wagon, sleeper car. It has the same number of compartments as Coupé carriage, but only two beds in each, and they are regular beds, not bunk beds. They are significantly more expensive than the previous two types. For that money you'll get air conditioning, a button to call a carriage attendant, maybe a TV and some other fancy stuff. And the coolest and the most expensive type of carriage is Mekki Wagon. Literally soft carriage. But I guess you can call it first class. That would be a type of place you would see in the movies like Murder on the Orient Express. Well, maybe slightly less fancy, but still very cool. I've never traveled in one of those, and I'm not sure I even want to. I can find a much better use for all that money that would cost. By the way, I'm not giving you any numbers because they vary a lot, depending on where you travel and what type of carriage you will choose. But just for example, to get to Moscow from my city would take 16 to 18 hours, depending on a train, they are usually scheduled to travel in such a way that you get on the train in the evening or late afternoon and get off in, the Mos in Moscow in the morning. There are different kinds of trains to choose from. Trains with names or those we call firmenne are usually better, faster and more expensive.
Also, prices vary depending on when you are buying a ticket. The earlier, the better, as usual. So I looked stuff up, and today is the 4th of June. And if I buy an upper bunk bed in Coupe on a regular train for 13th of July, it will cost me 1,570 rubles, 25 US dollars and some cents. That's really cheap, by the way. Lower bunk bed coupe is 2,517 rubles, 40 US dollars. The ticket for coupe on the same date, but a better train will cost me 3,000, 3, sorry, 88 rubles or almost 50 US dollars for the upper bunk bed and 4,112 rubles or 66 US dollars for the lower. In the first case, the price is so low not only because of the class of service, but because you would leave Saratov in afternoon and arrive in Moscow at 7 a.m., which might be not very comfortable for some people. I usually don't care, though. I hope that gives you some perspective. On that note, I should mention that Russian railway company is a monopoly, basically, and closely connected to the government system. And in many ways, it's utterly disgusting and famously corrupted. So my attitude toward Russian railways is kind of like my attitude towards a lot of stuff in Russia. Love the trains, hate the organization behind it. So if you don't like their prices, tough shit. That's their policy, I'm guessing. There's no competitors with different prices, unfortunately. So it's their way or the highway. That is to say, planes, which are expensive, or buses, or a car. Although they have some special deals for fans who will come to Russia for FIFA 2018. I'll put the link in the show notes. Now, even in the best of carriages, it's never quiet. You can always hear the wheels of the carriage touching the rails. If the carriage is old, you can hear all sorts of creaking noises. Don't worry, though, you'll be alright. Traveling by train is one of the safest ways to travel in Russia. It's 45 times safer than traveling by car. I can't remember the last time I've heard about passenger train wreck. And one where somebody in the train had actually died? I don't think I've heard... ever? In fact, I think that's the perfect option for people who are scared of flights. If you want to feel even safer, you should choose a carriage in the middle of the train. So, it is safe, but quiet it is so not. Apart from the train itself, there are noises that other passengers make, like talking, watching stuff on their phone, or at night, snoring. How on earth do you sleep in that pandemonium? Well, if you can fall asleep in front of the TV, you will most likely fall asleep on the train. If you're like me, it might require some effort. For some reason, my hearing becomes significantly sharper right when I'm on the brink of falling asleep. I'm guessing it saved my cavemen and cavewomen ancestors quite a bit in the olden days, but now it makes traveling challenging sometimes. Not just on trains, noisy hostels can also be a problem, and boyfriends who snore, ugh. How do I get around it? I buy earplugs. They won't block everything, but it's still better than nothing. And then I just wait.
and eventually fall asleep. Sometimes being really tired before you get on the train helps. Maybe some chamomile tea. Don't know about sleeping pills? Never tried them. Uh, so, what do you need? Let's start with the most important stuff. The phones! There are very few trains with Wi-Fi currently in Russia, and if you are traveling somewhere far from Moscow, it's very likely that there won't even be mobile internet while the train is moving. You have it during the stops, of course, so that will be some digital detox for you. <laughs> but also I suggest you put your phone into flight mode so that your battery would not lose more charge because it's been searching for network. Charging your phone in Platzkart, the cheapest type of sleeper car, might be tricky. Most carriages were built before mobile technology became so widespread, so there are some electric sockets, but not many. It's usually way easier in coupé, simply because there are less people there. But to be on the safe side, you should just bring your power bank with you. Oh, important thing! In Russia, electric line voltage is 220 volt. If it's different in your country, you'd need an adapter. What else do you need? Um, slippers or better flip-flops, toiletries. You don't need soap or toilet paper, but you wanna bring wet wipes. Oh, if you have any kind of OCD and need stuff to be very clean or without microbes, trains will be a trial. A very serious one, because it is a shared space, a bit like a hostel. All the carriages are regularly cleaned, but you might get on a train that has a really long route, so you might potentially take a place that someone has just vacated. And there's only so much cleaning that can be done while passengers are coming and going, and attendants have many duties apart from that. You can bring your own cup, and teaspoon, but you don't have to. The attendant will provide it for free if you ask. The sheets and a hand towel is also provided. As I mentioned before, some classes of carriages provide more stuff, but that depends. There is a restaurant carriage, but I personally never use it. Most Russians usually bring their own food with them. You should be very careful with perishables if it's a long ride. Some attendants might be cooperative and find you a place in the fridge, but a lot of them won't, because actually they don't have to. So one option is ramen noodles, or instant mashed potatoes, or instant porridge. I used to do that in my student days, but now I've gotten too cool for that shit. <laughs> or more likely my digestive system is not as well forgiving as it was, or I've gotten hoity-toity, I'm not sure. But these days I prefer not to eat that. I buy canned corn because I love it, canned beans, we have some really great options with mushrooms and they are in small glass jars actually. But that's because I'm vegetarian, a lot of people bring salami and cheese sandwiches, fried chicken, boiled eggs and potatoes, fresh veggies like cucumbers and tomatoes. Fruit like apples and bananas are also a great option. And of course, all kind of snacks, chips and chocolate. Maybe careful with that in summer though. Actually in summer be very careful with all foods that are not dry because I'll let you in on a secret. 
Russian summers are hot too. Really, you can bring whatever you like, even dairy products, but eat them first. Just check all containers and wrappings for leaks and do the math when it comes to the amount of food you require. And if you bring your own food, you need your own plate and utensils. Now drinks. That's actually very important. Most Russians uh, would bring uh, a one or one and a half liters bottle of mineral water or just drinking water with them on board because attendants only provide hot water for tea for free. Of course, you can buy a bottle of water from an attendant. Basically, you can buy most of the stuff I mentioned on board. I'm just telling you all this in case you are traveling on a budget and want to save money in a way that's really easy and that most locals use. It's way cheaper to buy that water in a shop before you go on a train, just not in a shop that's too close to the station, and not on the stops, because it will be more expensive. You can bring soda or fizzy drinks or juice, but I personally think it's a bad idea because there's sugar in that stuff, so it makes you even more thirsty. But that's your choice, of course. Since hot water is provided for free, just about everybody drinks tea using tea bags, of course, or instant or sublimated coffee. Although you can make yourself some real coffee if you don't mind brewing it just by pouring hot water over it. My mom usually does that while traveling. On flappable beach that I am, I occasionally, during colder seasons, just bring cocoa and cream and make myself a travel version of hot chocolate with water being the only hot part, so basically anything goes. Or you can buy coffee from the restaurant carriage and tea from the attendant. It won't be especially good though. Now, alcohol. That's tricky. By law, you are prohibited from consuming it in public places and smoking, by the way, too. But those two laws are not imposed very well or strictly. So while you can't smoke on a train, you might do it when it stops on some station. And with drinks? Well, I don't have any personal experience in the matter because I've never tried drinking on a train. But I had tipsy neighbors, so if you are very quiet about it, just having a beer with a friend and not bothering anybody, it will probably be alright. Although keep in mind foreigners would detract more notice than locals. But of course, if you get really drunk and make the journey unpleasant for other people on a train, there will be consequences. So, better stick to tea. Also, if you are not feeling well, you should go to a carriage attendant. They have a first aid kit. Uh, you can use RZD, that's Russian Railways mobile app, to buy tickets. It's not perfect, but usable. And that will give you the real cost with no add-ons. I will leave the links to the apps in the show notes. Or you can buy tickets online on their official site. I'll leave the link to that too. Or you can buy them at the station. But that would most probably have to be in Russian. So I think buying online would be easier. There are adult and kids options. So, if your child is younger than 5 years old and they don't have their separate seat, you can order a free kids ticket. For children between ages of 5 and 10, there is 35-50% discount. 
you can cancel your ticket and you will get a refund but how much depends on when you cancel basically if you cancel not later than eight hours before departure time you will get most of your money back the later you cancel the less you will get but if the train was cancelled or significantly delayed through no fault of your own you have a right to get a full refund of course but trains are seldom late just saying you don't have to print the tickets but maybe save them in pdf format on your phone in case someone wants to see it they rarely do though if you say you've got an electronic ticket they will just ask to see your documents that is why you should carry your passport while traveling by train. The carriage attendant would need to see that document to make sure you really are the person who thought who bought a ticket. You can't just give away your ticket to anybody. The place on a train is reserved to you personally. However, uh, you might be able to switch places with someone uh, within your carriage after the train leaves the station. You might want to mention it to the carriage attendant if that's the beginning of the trip or maybe not if it happens later very important thing keep in mind that train schedule is always in moscow time they might be local time on your ticket or they might be not so check that stuff beforehand when your train is announced at the station uh, they will tell you how the carriages are numbered i mean from which side of the train from the head or from the tail if the announcement uh, was made in Russian only, keep in mind that from the head is с головы поезда. Нумерация состава начинается с головы поезда. And from the tail is с хвоста поезда. Нумерация состава начинается с хвоста поезда. A lot of Russian people love railways and traveling by train some say there's something romantic in it not romantic as in connected to relationship and love but more like the sense of adventure and it's a great way to meet people a lot of people love heartfelt conversations and the idea of spilling their whole life story to their neighbors during a long train ride as a person who is always on the other end of those spills I really don't like it all that much. But a lot of people, especially middle-aged and older men, find that therapeutic. Like, the narrow box of what is considered appropriate male behavior wouldn't allow them to talk about their feelings and stuff to the people they know, but to a stranger on the train, the one you'll never see again? No problem. Also, political debates are very popular. So keep that in mind. If you like this stuff, great. If you don't feel like it, it's not you. And you probably didn't do anything to provoke it. It's just train atmosphere. Try to find ways to get out of that shh predicament. Like pretending to sleep, reading, putting your earphones on and literally getting away. Remember, it's okay to not listen and you'll never meet that person again either. And now it's time for the segment How do you say it in Russian? I'll go with short and useful again. Yes, as many of you know, sounds like da. But not da. It's just da. And no is нет. You need to pronounce it as one syllable. It's not нет. It's нет. 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 
And that's all for now. If you have suggestions, ideas, or questions, you can always write to me at journeyswithgigi at gmail.com or on Instagram at greenity, that's G-R-E-E-N-N-I-L-Y. There's also a podcast site, journeyswithgigi.com, in one word, without capitals or spaces, and I'm still working on it. Each and every one of my episodes has a transcript. You can find it at journeyswithgigi.com along with the links and some photos. If you like my podcast, subscribe on iTunes, Teacher, Anchor FM, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And please leave reviews because why not really? Till next time, yours, Gigi, from Russia with love and super long railways. <laughs> <laughs>